Hi, everyone. Welcome to Tent Talks podcast. This is Stacy, and I'm doing a solo episode today. I wanted to talk about women and share my love of women for Women's International Day that's happening this week. And I've noticed that at least locally here where I live, we don't make a big to-do about Women's International Day, Women's Day, but it's a big deal in a lot of other countries and it's really loudly celebrated. So I wanted to be a part of that loudness and talk about all the reasons that I love being a woman, traits that I love, that I feel like are especially present in women, and women who I love and have admired and and looked up to as mentors and figures of influence in my life. And of course, because of who I am, I need to have a little caveat or a little back history, back up a little bit to go forward. So we live in a patriarchy. And a patriarchy means that we live in a system of control that is designed by men for men to thrive. And when we're talking about the patriarchy, we're not talking about men. We're talking about the system that is primarily run by men for men. And the people who hold up the patriarchy the most, the people who are the most upholding of the rules of patriarchy are sometimes women. And women do that to try to access power, to rub shoulders with people in power. And I think it's really important to talk about the patriarchy as a foundation because Women are thriving in an environment in a world that was not created with them in mind, with their bodies, with their specific needs. And yet here we are thriving. And as a baseline of safety, women's physical safety is threatened by men on a daily basis. The number one disparity for a pregnant woman, the leading cause of death is actually domestic violence. And yet we do test after test for blood sugar and measuring and nutrition. And it's actually her physical safety at home. We know domestic violence rates are ridiculously high in Utah. But having that baseline of safety threatened by men in power shows this real layer of oppression that women deal with that's kind of sometimes silent because we use a lot of passive language. Like we talk about rape as if a man isn't the one who's doing the raping. We talk about women being killed, but we don't talk about men doing the killing. Because again, it goes back to this control of this illusion of control. So by using passive language, it just puts women as victims instead of men as perpetrators. Because not all men, we know that, we know that. But unless a man is standing in his power and privilege in a way that is sharing power and privilege, and diversifying that, 
also educating other men around him because who are men going to listen to? They're going to listen to other men to help them break down the walls of patriarchy and start including more women in power positions, in financial liberation, in liberation with women's bodies. Like men have to be actively participating in our freedom and liberation because they are still the ones that are making the major decisions worldwide that are affecting the mass of our population. So our safety in a physical way, our safety with our mental health, with being able to think and talk and speak about the things that we think about, that we find interesting, that inspire us, that is threatened by women. Women feel threatened by that by men because at any moment we could be called crazy we could be sent away. We know that historically women were sent away for, you know, mental health disorders and being crazy. This happens all the time with censorship. I mean, look what happened with Britney Spears. It's a modern day example of how somebody could be completely legally and shut off from using her voice, from having her own platform, her own creative ideas being shared. It's surprisingly not that hard to do because again, men are in charge of making these rules and they can just change the rules to control the women. So celebrating women, celebrating women's liberation is massive because we somehow have found ways to adapt and to shine brightly, even though things are stacked up against us little by little every single day. So I wanted to start out by talking about being a woman in the world and and why I love that. And I just kind of segued into it. It started really young when like all of your girlfriends would go to the bathroom together. And it was like this secret little land where we all shared lip gloss and talked about just things that were going on, this like social network of women friends, just helping, supporting each other. And then when we all got our periods, it was those moments when you could share in how you're managing your hygiene and and what you're doing and what products you're using and the exploration of makeup and getting ready. And it felt like being included in this secret world of information that men knew nothing about. And they could know about it, but they don't. And so it's kind of like just our world. And I love that that started as just all the girls going to bathroom at the same time. And then it somehow evolved to like women's circles and mother circles, and just talking about real issues and real things that are affecting women and having somebody sit across from you and understand exactly what you're going through because their experience is near identical, even though their life situation can look totally different from yours. And that's kind of the joy of like, I've talked about Coffee Tuesdays and my Coffee Coven group, and just getting together weekly with a group of women and just chatting I feel that that's some of the most 
glorious and happy times of my life because I feel like we just swap stories and secrets. Women have so many secrets because we live this life of navigating a world that was not created for us to thrive in. We have to learn how to navigate it together and share our tips and secrets and just ways that we lift each other up by sharing all of the information that we've been able to filter and absorb and share our favorite artists and songs and things that just really reflect a woman's experience. I've learned that all in women's circles and women friendships. And it started really early just going to the bathroom with your friend. And it was just being invited into this like secret world of information. And it's still one of my favorite parts of being a woman today is just women relationships and friendships and the amount of support and witnessing that I feel. And as me as a person, as I gain more compassion for all of the parts of myself, I have this larger acceptance of inclusion. And I can see this web of women that I'm connected with that I may not know their story exactly. Like, for example, a woman of color that I I may not understand the everyday racism and struggle, but accepting the intersectionality and that her story can shine and that there can be parts of our story that, that overlap and we can find common ground and lift each other up in different ways that maybe we don't understand each other too, I think has been a really joyful part of adulthood. I didn't know how to do that as much as a kid, but as an adult, I'm realizing there's this whole other world of women that experience something totally different than me because I have so much privilege walking around as a white woman. Even though at times I don't feel that way, it is true and it's important to acknowledge that. So being a woman is something that I find exhilarating and I find it nourishing. And I love walking through the world as a woman. There's plenty of things that of course, I could find that I don't but it's these joyful pockets that that really add so much expansion into my experience. And that kind of brings me to traits in women that I love. And I think at the beginning of the episode when I was talking about the system of patriarchy, Understanding why I love these traits in women so much, you have to understand at least basic patriarchal knowledge of what that looks like every day in a woman's life to understand why I love her traits. So an example of that is men's jobs are really important. Capitalism was created for men. Women just had to be a part of it involuntarily. Involuntarily, I mean by like, there was always the struggle for men to share capitalism with women. And women have always worked historically. I mean, as a community before capitalism was a thing, of course, we were all working. But suddenly, when the rise of capitalism, it was like women can't work at home, their work looks like this. 
But now in today's modern world, we're somewhere in the middle where women also work, but anytime there's a crisis in the family, something at school, something in the community, it's always a woman who takes a break from her job to like go to parent teacher conference, to go when a kid has an injury, to go, you know, X, Y, and Z help with this. And so women have always had to have a level of flexibility in their work or a level of pay cut, or it's more disposable. It's not as important as a man's job in most families that I know of. And being a single woman, having a job before when I used to be employed and participate in jobs where I clocked in and clocked out, I noticed who was in all the leadership positions, who was making decisions on behalf of the whole company. And like, what position was I in and kind of stuck in? And this was probably until I was about 21. But it was always like entry level customer service, care positions. And it's because those jobs are really replaceable. And they're really flexible. And I think that has been this unspoken standard for women's jobs because of this patriarchal rule that men's jobs are just so important and need to be upheld. So traits that I love in women are I love when women speak out against that. I love when women share their story publicly. And I especially love when there's passion. And when she says something, even when her voice is shaking, even when there's emotion and not emotion to manipulate, just emotion because it's been so hard or because she feels so deeply about something. So when women use their voice to tell the truth in books that they write, in conversations, in real live time when there's oppression. I love it. I love when women open up their minds because we see that women view the world differently because of our experiences in our bodies. And we pick up on things differently. And when somebody shares what's going on, in their brain and tell the truth of their experience. There's just something so liberating about that to me. And I love it. I also love when women lift up other women. And you usually know, like now that I'm an adult, I kind of know when this is happening. Like there will be in a group of people, maybe this woman knows a lot about a lot. And there's this younger woman and she's really excited and she's talking about what she's excited about. And this, this woman who maybe is more experienced just allows this younger person to shine in their joy and maybe even helps them and gives them pointers or advice or just shortcuts, or maybe just gives her the floor to get the full attention. I just love when women lift up other women And it feels like grace. It's just undeserved kindness, reciprocity. That's just, I can do this just because I want to help you just because. And I think women are really, really good 
about sharing information. I think we're really good about sharing attention and complimenting each other and taking the time to acknowledge other people. I just, I love when that happens. Like I said, whether it's just giving somebody else the floor completely to shine or whether it's just giving that one piece of advice that's going to change the trajectory and totally add success to somebody's life. I I love when women do that. I love when women relax. And that might sound weird, but there's not a lot of women in my life that I've seen that just sit on the couch and enjoy, that sit out in their garden, enjoy, because of all of these roles that we've been deemed and assigned. We're doing housework. We're doing the emotional labor of raising all the kids, of running the house. We're working on top of that. We're, you know, X, Y, and Z. But every family party I've ever been to, my mom is behind the scenes, cooking, meal prepping, shopping. And then when we finally have the meal, it's like 10 minutes of eating and then everybody, you know, starts and then she's left like cleaning and she doesn't have to do it. She can ask other people for help. She can change things, but she's so conditioned to just do it. And so when everybody's around talking and laughing and playing a game, you'll find my mom in the background scrubbing down counters and we'll ask her, Hey, come and enjoy. And we'll finish that up later. And it's, it's almost this inability to relax. And I think that's true for a lot of women. There's an inability to let go and just enjoy and converse because there's this, it's almost like a list or a tally in your head. And it's saying everything that needs to be done because you can't relax until it's done, right? That's how it goes in a lot of women's heads. But the woman who relaxes has the ability to say, fuck all of that. I'm going to be present with people. I'm going to be present in this moment and enjoy it. And I'm going to say no. I'm going to be liberated from the system that I have to do everything. I'm not going to. And it's it's so huge because all of that stuff still has to get done. So how is it going to get done? It's literally fighting a system to not be busy because God knows there's a million things that women have to do. And to see a woman just relax and enjoy herself, it is my favorite thing to see. I I will praise that up and down. My other favorite trait of women is women who feel comfortable in their body. And I've noticed what that looks like. I think people go through periods of comfort. I don't think it's always this trait that's everlasting and present all the time. But when you see a woman comfortable in her body, she's not adjusting herself for society, normal, conditioned appropriate behaviors and 
clothing and positions that she sits in. She's sitting how she wants to sit. She's dressed how she wants. She looks how she wants to look. Maybe she's wearing so much makeup. Maybe she's wearing not a speck. Those variables don't matter. It's how she moves and flows in herself. There's this comfort. There's this ease. There's an ownership. And to have a woman embodied and comfortable in her skin is such an act of liberation. And I love it. And I look for it. And I try to embody it. And it's hard. It's really hard to sustain that embodiment because we're so socialized and controlled to be appropriate, to look a certain way, to act a certain way, to dress a certain way, and to show up in our bodies and have our bodies look a certain way. And I was talking to some friends about this recently, like every woman I know has an eyebrow journey. This friend does eyebrows professionally for a living. And it's like, how many women have gone through this whole relationship with their eyebrows, over plucking, not plucking enough, changing the shape, having different growth patterns, darkening, lightening, as styles change, laminate, you know, there's so many things. Name a single man who doesn't have a unibrow, <laughs> excluding all the men who have so much facial hair that have unibrows. But I mean, we have nitpicked ourselves to death over eyebrows, eyelashes. Men just get to show up in whatever eyebrows and eyelash situation they have. But it's it's the same with every single part of a body on a woman, her stomach, her arms, her thighs, her ankles, her feet, her hands, her chin, her labia, her breasts, her butt. Oh my gosh, her butt, her back. I can't think of a part of a woman's body even on my own body, that has not been completely nitpicked, processed, controlled. Like I buy certain products that are so like specific. This product here is for this part of your body. I mean, the marketing world, the business. And just to say, fuck all that. This is my body. I'm in my body. And it doesn't mean I don't participate in those things. It means I'm comfortable with the choices that I'm making and how I'm showing up in my body. And I just, I just love that. And, and women are so connected to other women's bodies. Like we literally sync cycles. We literally share empathy to a level of like a look. You can know in a look everything that's going on with a woman. And so when a woman shows up relaxed, comfortable in her body, it does this thing to my body where all of a sudden I can just take a deep breath and remember that it's okay to be a woman in the world and have this body, even though it might be highly regulated by legislation, even though it might feel unsafe at night alone in the streets, even though, you know, X, Y, and Z, it's okay for this moment around this woman in this environment to feel completely safe and comfortable in my body. It's literally a revolution. The next thing that I wanted to talk about is I just wanted to highlight women that I love. And some of the women you might also know and love because they're public figures and others are just specific to me. When I was 
talking about women who lift up other women. I, I have always from the time that I was probably 18 have had a, a woman spiritual mentor and growing up Mormon, there was no woman figure for spirituality because the divine mother, we didn't know who she was. We didn't talk about her. We didn't know her traits. If anything, she was a silent young virgin, but we didn't even really talk about her. Her story wasn't really that important. It was always about Jesus. But then, you know, God, the father, apparently he had a wife because celestial marriage is like or temple marriage, if you're not familiar with like Mormonism, the highest degree of heaven, because heaven has degrees in Mormonism, is when you're married to a, like there's a man and a woman, the union. So when I was younger, I remember thinking like really philosophically, like, oh, God has a wife. I wonder what she's like. And and if God is my father, is his wife my mother? And what would she be like? but she was invisible. She was voiceless. She, she didn't show up at all. There was no presence. There were no traits. We weren't having lessons about her. There was nothing about her. And so I just used to imagine, and I have a clear image in my head of when I was young of who that was. But as I got older and as I left my home of origin and, and kind of found my way out in the world. I think there were certain women who maybe had the, the wisdom, the foresight, they could acknowledge, they could see in me, my longing for spirituality and my longing to make my body and who I was also part of the sacred, the spirituality story line. Like I didn't want to be excluded from that just because I was a woman. And so I've always found women mentors who have taught me about spirituality. And currently my mentor is Terry Ray and she teaches me, she's a retired psychologist and now she does mentoring sessions and she teaches me about spirituality through the lens of psychology. And it's changed my life 100%. And what we're working on is this, this idea that all the parts of me are really important. I don't have to ditch my trauma. I don't have to ditch the things that I'm afraid of, that all of me is acceptable and all of me is worthy of love and worthy of celebration. And that's something that has taken me a lifetime to even know that I was excluding my trauma from my story because I just I couldn't look at it. I was dissociated from it. And so now as I'm looking at it, and it's, it takes so much effort and, and time and love and patience with myself to go there, but I'm learning that it's okay to go there and acknowledge that, that that is part of me. And because it's part of my story, it's gotten me to where I am today. It's a beautiful part of me. And that's okay. It doesn't make it okay that it happened. But it's okay that it's a part of my story and who I am and what has shaped me. Other women that I love. I mean, I had older sisters growing up. So there was a lot of 
influence. But man, I'll be damned if I didn't know every word to every Tori Amos album in the fifth grade. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I loved Tori Amos. That was one of my first concerts. I felt so completely disobedient, like bad going because it was on a Sunday. Oh, but I loved her. I loved her music. I loved what she was saying. I didn't even understand it. But she was liberating herself from the Christian narrative. She was liberating herself from sexual assault, from her journey of being a woman. She was she was showing us what it was like to play the piano with passion, with such a demand, like talk about a woman who has so much power that she just commands attention. That's how I feel about Tori Amos, her bright red hair and her incredibly heartfelt songs. And from there, I mean, I think I just spiraled with, oh, There was that Lilith Fair tour. All of those artists were so influential. And of course, expanding now, like imagine growing up with Lizzo as a little girl. What would that be like to have somebody who was different than me, but the same as me, spouting self-love? I mean, I just can't imagine the joy and the possibility that Lizzo brings to so many young girls, but especially young black girls. It's just completely huge. It's huge. And when she was accepting her award, she was saying, Beyonce, what you did for me growing up gave me the possibility to be here and do what I do because I saw you as a little girl. And that's why representation matters. It matters to see women thriving in every single area because there's another little girl out there who's thinking about the possibility for herself. So some of my artists that I didn't know were so influential, the chicks, the Dixie chicks, they were speaking the story of what it was like to be a young country girl, grow up in the country. Like who was, who was sharing that perspective? We needed them. Because they were speaking to us small town girls. I wouldn't have like said loud and proud. Back in the day, they were called the Dixie Chicks. I know they're called the Chicks now. But back in the day, I would have never been like the Dixie Chicks, my number one band. I would have never said that. But yet those songs were influencing me so greatly because no one else was telling the story of small town girl, USA. And I hear their evolution now as the chicks and some of the songs that they're really speaking to the woman's experience to this day. They're just telling the truth through their music. I love it. Women artists. I mean, I could just go on and on and on and on about art with women, whether it's literature or physical arts, paintings and sculptures and if we ever see a woman who is not the muse, but actually the artist. I mean, I can't even imagine what her life must have been like to get to that place of just being able to be allowed to paint and have a creative life. I watched the movie Emily last night. It was about Emily Bronte, who wrote Wuthering Heights. 
And it kind of showed her family dynamic and growing up and being considered dark or strange. And I just so related to her. I mean, she's having panic attacks. She She's having spiritual experiences that are outside of her religious explanation. She's questioning things. She's connecting with nature. She just wants to be and do and have freedom in her own way. And I just feel that so deeply through her writings and seeing it on screen. It it was such a moving movie. If you get the chance, go see it. But I mean, there's so many women we could highlight as important figures in media. And for me, I needed Tori Amos. And then I needed Alanis Morissette. I needed some anger. And I didn't know I needed anger like I did. But I needed to hear her expressions of anger. I needed to hear the country small town girl show up in in the chicks music. And it may not have been at the forefront of what I needed, but I I did. And in my sexual liberation, I needed black women to talk about sexual liberation because nobody can sing like a black woman singing about sexual liberation. I mean, it's it's incredible that it takes a village to raise people, but it takes a lot of women to educate women on all of the parts of a woman's life. And I just want to celebrate all of the women because it's really hard to be a woman in the world. And we're showing up beautifully. We're showing up with cookies and refreshments. We're showing up pretty. We're showing up smelling great. We're showing up with a shoulder to cry on. We're showing up comfortable in our bodies. We're showing up with a sharp brain. We're showing up with a baby on our breast. We're showing up with bleeding uteruses and we're doing things that half of the population doesn't even care about. And it's just a secret world that we have that we navigate day in and day out. And I just love being a part of that. I love being a woman. And I love that we can now have choice in how we show up in bodies and that we don't have to be a woman if we don't want to. We don't have to have bleeding uteruses every month if we don't want to. We can have surgical options. We can have options with our bodies. There are some people in some states who can not have a baby if they don't want to. There's a lot more choice. And I find joy in that choice, even if it's not my choice. It's just the fact that women can do a lot of things and they can move in the world in a lot of different directions. And I stand on the privilege and the shoulders of those before me. And I hope that I can be that for the next generation by showing up exactly as I am as a single liberated woman who's making her own choices. And I guess that's where I want to leave it today is just 
in celebration of womanhood and celebration of myself and celebration of those that came before me. And happy Women's Day. I hope you're celebrating yourself and or women in your life. And we'll see you next time on Tent Talks.